Ready? In five, four, three. The immigration debate, including the separation of families at the border and the Supreme Court ruling on the case of the baker that refused to bake a cake for a gay couple in Colorado. This and more on episode 29 of a podcast without a name. Yo, yo, yo. Hello. Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, everybody? What's the good word? So we have some technical difficulties <laughs> in and out on this uh, podcast, so everybody bear with us. This is true. Some new equipment. New, new equipment. equipment. That's a good thing. We'll see how this goes. It'll probably create a nightmare in post, so hey, you know what? We'll go with it. So how's everyone yeah, doing luckily, this evening? me and Richie don't have to worry about the post-production. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> this I is just true. leave my hot takes on there and skedaddle. Skedaddle. So it's been a little bit, guys. It's great to hear from everybody. It is great. Uh, it's been probably about another month, <laughs> right? Just we've been about. Yeah, we've been about four to six weeks. In one case, I think eight weeks. But a lot. I mean, this is going to be an interesting podcast, although there's been a lot of things that have happened since our last podcast. There's one most notable thing, and that is the recent, I guess, you could call it a crisis on the southern border with Mexico. Um, we'll, we'll pick that apart a little bit. We'll unpack that. There's some facts to kind of get us started. Um, and and then we could kind of get into what we all think about it and, and you know, whatever that might be. Um, real quick, before we do that, we got to go around the room or around the interwebs. And uh, what are we all drinking? Well, I'm drinking the usual uh, Hanalei by Kona Brewing Company. Richard? I'm drinking uh, the famous Narragansett. Hi, neighbor. Have a Gansett. <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, some Sam Adams Summer Ale, and I have a Boston Lager, too, to get through this evening. I have a feeling I won't have any problems with that. But um, very nice. Yeah, here we are. Okay, we don't have any fun news tonight, so we're just gonna jump right into the, you know, the boring stuff, and the controversial stuff. So uh, just to fill everyone in, approximately I would say about two weeks ago, now Trump uh, implemented a. They're calling it a. Um, Was it like zero? Tolerance or whatever application of the law on the border and. I think what we've seen since then is a lot of hysteria and some of it is grounded in truth. Um, but there's a lot of misinformation out there, whether it's on the left or the right. Um, so just to lay the foundation for that, um, what the, what's being claimed is that families are going to the border and they are being separated and children are being put in cages. So, a lot of people, rightfully so, are upset about that, thinking that there's a lot of um, kind of humanity, humanity being lost in our country and, you know, all that type of stuff. And, you know, obviously people are comparing it to Nazi Germany, which doesn't really make sense or compute. We could talk about that later. Um, but the, all this stems from is a few basic facts. Um, and I'll get to my opinion on it here towards the end. But, but essentially what happened was in 1993, there was a case brought uh, called Reno versus Flores. And in that case, the what was decided, the Supreme Court decided that unaccompanied children that come to the border cannot be held for more than 20 days um, in some sort of detention facility. Now, that's just kind of the foundation for this. That was appealed. And what happened was it went to uh, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals or um, actually was it 1990? Oh, I'm sorry. Before the court of appeal, uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal, there was an agreement because in that initial uh, SCOTUS uh, decision, they referred it back to lower courts to actually essentially work out. And there was instead of like uh, litigating it too long, too long and, and the dragging it on the the Bill Clinton administration uh, settled with um the plaintiffs and such. And it's called the Flores agreement. And, uh, that essentially kind of further solidifies this idea that the, uh, I believe that is 
the government cannot hold these miners for 20 days and essentially puts into play um, that, you know, the kids have to be separated from uh, people who are lawfully locked up on the border for, you know, trying to skirt the the border crossings and get come into the country illegally. And the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals kind of expanded upon that and, and made it so it's accompanied and unaccompanied children. There was some nuance there, um, but they kind of upheld and said they, they added some additional verbiage to that and essentially said that it has to, you know, they had to be put into, um, the, the, what was it called? The, they, they had this like verbiage that said it has to be in like the least restrictive environment and stuff like that possible. Anyway, so here we are today. Um, and the reason why we're here and why, you know, kind of this is all coming into light is because Donald Trump decided to kind of implement the law and enforce it. And there's a couple of distinctions we need to be made that, that need to be made. The one is um, the distinction between crossing illegally and um, uh, or crossing illegally and becoming an illegally entry criminal in this country or unlawful presence, which is civil. There's a debate between uh, are illegal immigrants actually illegal immigrants, uh, and people tend to not recognize that there are two different types of ways of being in this country illegally or unlawfully. One of them is actually civil. One of them is criminal. There is no situation where someone who crosses our border that and didn't come through with a visa or anything like that, and they didn't come through at an entry point, there's no situation where that's only civil. Technically, by the law, they are criminal by default. Now, if you enter the country and you overstay your visa or something along those lines where you've lawfully entered the country, but then you are still here technically unlawfully, that's called unlawful presence. That's a civil case. Now, there's certain situations with that, depending on like if you lie on government forms or something like that, that could become criminal. Uh, so there's the distinction there. So there is such a thing in, in the legal world based on legal standards as an illegal alien and unlawful presence type of alien. One is actually criminal. One is civil. The situation at the border we're dealing with is criminal. There's no, this is not in the civil realm. This is not any sort of people who had visas who should have been here and or were here trying to come in or being, you know, forced out or being locked up. That's just not the case. Um, so, and then the, the thing that really kind of pushes this to the next level is you hear all this whataboutism from certain parties, uh, Republican Party, <clears throat> and they talk about, well, this happened under Obama. This is a Bill Clinton thing. The distinction here is Obama um, chose not to enforce the law as it's written. Um, he prioritized people who actually have criminal records already or gang members. So kids were being separated from families at the border um, under Obama but not at the same scale because he was prioritizing and he was uh, essentially doing what is would be considered a catch and release. If you don't fit within a priority, criminals, gang members or something of that nature, drug pushers or whatever, um, then they were essentially catching you and releasing you into the country. Uh, and that avoided a lot of these families being separated. Um, so therein lies that those last two pieces there is where like the politics to me come in. Every, there's a lot of hyperbole around it. And I think we're, we're all capable of kind of seeing through some of that. But the big distinction for me is Obama decided not to enforce the law. Trump has decided to enforce the law. I don't think the, I don't think our government, whether it's the president or anyone should be not enforcing the law based on political decisions. The law should be the law. If it needs to change, there needs to be legislation. Um, and then this idea that there's no such thing as an illegal immigrant. There is. Uh, the way our laws are written now, they are, there are illegal immigrants. Um, and, you know, that's kind of where we stand with all this. And I know that this is something that's probably been frustrating for us um, on Facebook because, I mean, this was just a firestorm right out the bat. Like, this was like gold mine for clickbait mainstream media. Like, they had pictures of kids in cages that weren't really in cages. It was a protest. Like there were falsified pictures or pictures that were old that weren't even related to the situation. Um, and then you hear people like just straight up saying, oh, they're ripped, like, like really like impact words, like ripping and and tearing apart families. And so like there's all these things and a lot of hyperbole. Um, but what say you guys on, on this matter? Um what was what has your experience been over the last two weeks 
um, dealing with social media and and breaking news constantly on this and and how annoying is it or is there a part of this that you sympathize with is there something um really crazy going on um i have a point to make but i'll make that later in relation to kind of like some of what people are claiming for trump but go on well, anyone i i feel that you know no matter how you look at it right it's obviously going to pull at some sort of heartstring when you when you think about the fact that you know kids are going to be separated from their families for any reason right we all have kids we understand you know what that might uh you know feel like i guess um but at the same time i think that the big disconnection that uh most people that i've kind of encountered on social media the the biggest distinction um that should be made is that you know, these people are in fact committing a crime when they, when they enter this country in the way that they are entering this country. We're, we're not talking about um, any separation of family or detainment based on somebody coming over uh, with a green card or bringing their family here for vacation or whatever it may be. We're coming um, to a the, normal entry point, right? We're, we're, we're coming to a we're normal specifically entry talking we're, about people who have gone in between entry we're, points yeah, we're, and we're not wanting to get caught. Exactly. And, and I mean, we, you know, we're looking at, at a situation here as well, where, you know, these people coming into the country know the risk that they're, they're putting, uh, their, their families themselves and their children in when they when they cross here. I think one of the things that needs to be noted is, um, you know, the idea that, OK, you know, if they can prove that a child is uh, accompanied by their parent or their, you know, their family coming in here, um, it's a little bit different than uh, than here, right here, you have us, you know, we have our social security numbers and we have our, you know, some sort of, uh, verification that, you know, our, my child is my child. And I think there's certain things where, you know, people coming over the border may be bringing kids in that might not even belong to them, you know what I mean? Or claiming that kids are, are, are their family and, and they might not be. And I think it would be, um, a little bit irresponsible of our country to just say, okay, well, you know, they came together, they must be family, they're claiming their family, uh, you know, they, they should stay together. I mean, there, there's a lot of human trafficking type stuff. There's a lot of uh, drug pushing and there's a lot of, you know, people trying to get into the country by just using children uh, as a, you know, an excuse to get in here. So I think it, it could become a slippery slope. We became very used to eight years of, you know, the selective enforcement of this particular law. Um, and now that somebody's actually putting a, a hard, you know, foot in the ground saying like, look, we have to um, enforce this law uh, and not to mention because it's Trump. Um you know, that that's causing people to come up in an uproar. What I've noticed on social media, though, is that it's it almost appears that people and th this is this is just like everything else that that Trump comes up with. Right. Um, it, it appears that all of this is brand new. Right. That there was no rule or no law or no anything until Trump came. And now Trump suddenly just came out and said, we're going to detain children and separate them from their families, you know, which is which is false. Um, you know, a lot of the the rules and a lot of the laws and a lot of the uh, type of things that he talks about that that are, you know, politically uh, just, you know, becomes a firestorm out there in social media are things that already had standed. Uh, they just, you know, are kind of being used as a clickbait type thing to, you know, to attack him at this point, um, which is annoying. Now, on the other hand of it, you know, I, you know, we all have a heart. So you do feel bad and you do see why people would get upset and, and become emotional over it. It, it does become emotionally charged. Um, so, you know, there, there, I definitely see both sides to this, but at the end of the day, the law is the law. You know, if, if, you know, crossing the border in the way that they are, um, is illegal, just like if someone were to do something illegal that is, you know, a citizen of the United States, uh, they're not going to be kept with their children. Um, they're going to go to jail and their children aren't going to be given to them in jail. Um, you know, the law is the law and the law has to be kept. If not, you have chaos. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on this, Rich? Um, 
I really don't have too much different to say. I mean, obviously, uh, people are making this out that it's something of Trump's creation, and it's not. Uh, in fact, uh, I mean, I had posted something before about uh, the ACLU had actually uh, sued the Obama administration back in December of 2014 for detaining mothers and children of people crossing the border, and they're saying that they were doing that as a uh, you know intimidation tactic, and they were trying to use um, children's as pawns or children, sorry, uh, as pawns, uh, to, you know, scare other people from trying to cross the border. And, uh, you're absolutely right, Anthony, and that people that are coming here, uh, are aware of the things that can happen to them, uh, you know, coming into the country. I mean, even things that can happen to them before coming into the country, you know, they could all die walking through the desert. Um, so it's a dangerous prospect prospect you know anyway you look at it um being held until you can verify who people are who belongs to who uh, is probably something that should be enforced only because of the massive amounts of and you alluded to it before you know child trafficking drug trafficking uh things of that nature people even uh parents even send their children over um in hopes that their children will get let in or uh you know caught and released like uh, they were doing before so that once their kids get a foot in the door, they can, you know, get their parents into the country. So uh, the way Trump says things are never the best way to say things. Um, But in this case, I think it was really far blown out of proportion. And uh, you're right. I mean, it's really just because it's coming from him. And I think uh, uh, there's a lot of things that he says and does that, uh, that I'm not a fan of, but this really isn't one of them. I think there is. And I, uh, I, I mean, I got to yeah. I got to put it out there. I mean, to to be fair. Right. You know, he he never says the right thing. And no. millennia, her her jacket, you know, oh, God. <laughs> that 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 reached the mainstream, you know. And I mean, all, all of these things are obviously really bad optics. Um, and, you know, it, it only plays into the, the narrative that, you know, the very far left is looking to push in the first place. Right. So, you know, they're not really helping themselves at the same time, which kind of makes me, you know, fall under the, you know, I guess the umbrella of, you know, they deserve a little bit of a, a fire back a little bit. It's frustrating for us to, to read stuff, but at the same time, you know, the way they are, um, you know, kind of presenting themselves during this situation with with very little explanation of really what's going on to the public uh, for education purposes. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, you're, you're kind of asking for people to over sensationalize something like this. And, you know, uh, real, real quick um, on the topic of like Trump kind of blundering it all like he typically does. I think there is something that we we do need to acknowledge that is a is a real thing in this aspect is the the scale to which this was happening did increase by you know tenfold or whatever it might be because of a decision made by the Trump administration. We can't get around that because he decided to zero tolerance as much as I agree that we need to be in like I don't think our laws should be only enforced based on who's what political parties in there, but he did make this decision to implement the zero tolerance. I think it, it's he is a lawful, you know, there's a bedrock of law there that would support that. And I don't think there's anything legally wrong with it. But when the Democrats did come out and some of the things they were saying was, you know, stop this now, Trump. You know, you have you have the ability with your pen and your policy. And as as much as I think legally he doesn't, I don't think Obama had the ability to selectively do this, too. And I don't think he still does now. The, the, the truth in this at all or, or the reality of it is it hasn't been challenged, right? The courts, no one has challenged the presidential authority in this realm. So Trump did have the in-practice ability to not do it, right? And then take a different approach. And that approach could have been, hey, this is a priority for my administration and set Congress, get Paul Ryan in a room and say, we need to fix this. Uh, maybe even threaten it. Maybe say, hey, I'm, you guys got X amount of time. I'm going to start implementing this zero, you know, zero tolerance at the border. And there's a possibility families are going to have to be ripped apart. But and, and he could have put a his foot down for justice. Right. He could have said, I'm standing on the fact that we need to be uh, enforcing our laws as they're written by Congress. Right. 
And I think that there's some injustices going on in the ability of the executive branch to pick and choose what laws they enforce. So I'm threatening, I'm put everyone notice, I'm going to start enforcing this law unless Congress fix it and then give it a certain amount of time and then maybe do it, right? He did right. kind of just jump into it. And I think absolutely it caused yeah, a lot there, of there like is, negative. You there's, know. A, there's another part of this too, though. You know, I am I try to bring myself back to the Obama administration, right? If something like this exact, I mean, take this exact scenario and, and the exact thing that Trump did, right? As far as, you know, creating a zero tolerance rule for this, right? Um, whether it's selective or just, you know, or just zero tolerance as he proposed or, or, or created. Um, if Obama did the exact same thing, and I think this is where a lot of the frustrations come from, uh, from a lot of people that I've spoken to, at least, uh, th- that are that are more leaning on the right. The frustration is, you wouldn't even hear about it. You know what I mean? This would be completely Well, you didn't because it was actually stuff. happening. It was happening it was to a lower, smaller scale, but it was actually and, happening. And the thing is, though, like it, 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 everything becomes over sensationalized in the name of Trump, um, which, you know, I'm not going to say that he doesn't deserve. Um, yeah, because like I said, he does a lot of idiotic things. So, so yes, you know, uh, a, a little bit of, of this negative press is, is definitely, um, you know, I, I understand it. I get it. But at the same time, the frustration does become, well, look, this was done. This was done before. This was a rule before. This wasn't his creation. And nobody would have known any differently. Nobody would have cared about these detainees. Nobody would have cared about anybody. They would. It would never made them move. People would just be watching the Kardashians and not worrying about anything that was going on at the border until Trump did it. And then it becomes this, this giant fire. Well, two, two points, though, that people are kind of overlooking is... Uh, uh, one, uh, when Trump said, you know, Democrats, you can fix this. Come sit down with us. You know, we'll talk about something. We'll revise the law. Isn't that what people always want to have happen? Don't people, uh, they rallied against all kinds of executive orders when uh, Obama was in power and they rallied against executive orders when George Bush was in power, W. Bush. And, uh, and then the Democrats were clamoring for Trump to sign some kind of executive order in order to end it because they knew if they sat down with him and the Republicans that he'd probably try to squeeze in some sort of funding for the wall or gain some kind of leverage that way. So that's the first point I wanted to make. The second point is that people are kind of just assuming that all these people are coming from Mexico and they're really not. Uh, A lot of what's happening is you're getting a lot of people from like Venezuela, Honduras, uh, El Salvador, things like that, that are going to Mexico to get asylum. And because of Mexico's strict immigration laws, they're denying people asylum in their country and then they're figuring well since i'm already <laughs> right next to america i might as well take my shot trying to get into that country because i know their laws at least up until this point have been pretty lax and they had a better uh chance of getting in so like do you want to travel with your kids back through central america down to south america or do you want to take a shot and try to you know swim across the rio grande and, uh, you know, where the Colorado River rather and and get into uh, get into the United States. I mean, so uh, that's what Trump is saying when he's like, oh, they're not sending their best people. Uh, it's not necessarily that Mexico is going, you, you and you are criminals go to America. It's that they're getting all these people from Haiti, from all over the world that are going to Mexico for asylum. They're denying them asylum and they're not sending them to America, but where else would you go? Are you going to get back on a raft and go to Haiti? Or are you going to try to sneak across the border in the United States? Yeah. Well, you know what? I think one thing we should all acknowledge here, and I think we, we do pretty regularly, is like there's a reason why these people really want to come here. I mean, as much as you, you know, all the America hating, you know, flag stomping you see on news and, you know, Antifa and stuff like that, um, you know, people want to be here and I don't blame them. So there's a little bit of me that, you know, wants to sit here and go, how can we make this work? How can we get somewhere with this? Now, some people who are coming across want to be here because they're trying to profit 
and you know with like you know smuggling drugs and things like that human trafficking stuff like that um but there is uh, you know there's got to be there's there might be like some other solutions we could throw out there that doesn't require that physical at the border confrontation maybe something a little bit more um upstream from that so so we we cut things off before we get to that point like we need to look at maybe our foreign policy uh our aid um i know there's a lot of people uh, probably on both extremes that don't like us sending money overseas um, as much as we do but perhaps we need to be engaging a little bit different of uh, diplomacy and foreign policy in central and south america um, to improve the situation down there so that we don't have um, these, you know, this, our borders just being plummeted with people trying to seek asylum. Secondly, maybe we should make sure like <clears throat> people understand what the asylum stuff is. Like, do these people have to be smuggling through in between border entries, right? Like, do they understand? Like, are they thinking that's the only way into America? Are our asylum laws or are we just extremely strict? Are we really just not letting people in for really no reason at all? Um, you know, there's there's got to be some upstream things we could do too, to help affect the actual friction point of the border and take some pressure off of that. Um, I don't, admittedly, I don't have the answers to that. Uh, I don't study Central and South American geopolitical situations. Like, sounds like it's you know, I'm sure it's very complicated and interested for some people, but it's uh, not something I like care to read into, to be honest with you um, just like eastern european yeah. politics i don't really care for that stuff either but it just uh i mean there's something that has to be done i mean right now uh the whole catch and release thing is kind of seems obtuse to me it's like why would you catch somebody who's an illegal immigrant here and uh just take their information expect them to show up to court you know, would you show up to court? <laughs> I know I wouldn't if I was trying to hide out in the country. Like if there was even the slimmest chance that I would get sent back to my place of origin, knowing that I had to make that arduous journey to get here, uh, you know, damn right. I'm, I'm not going to show up to court. That was one of the stupidest things that I've, that I've probably heard in a long time. Uh, and then this whole concept of sanctuary cities. I mean, I get the whole concept of states rights and, and things like that, but um, you know, people really wanted to shit all over Trump when he wanted to uh, revoke federal funding from places like that. But what other recourse do you have? What other action can you take if some other place is saying like, yeah, we're going to keep all these uh, illegal people here? Well, then, all right, if you're going to have all these people there, then you bear the financial burden for it. Why should anybody else have to bear the financial burden for it? Yeah, I mean, and, you know, it, it comes back to like, you know, what is the solution then? You know what I mean? It, it's, you know, of course it, it seems shitty and it, and it looks shitty in the media, you know, but, but we're not talking about one or two people coming over the border and they're separated from their kids or they're, you know, sent back to, to their country or, or, or something like that. We're, we're talking about a multitude of people constantly every single day. You know, this is a, a big issue, you know, so if, if, if we don't do it the way he's going about it, I guess, what is the solution? You know, is, is the solution, cause, cause what it seems like to me is that people on the very far left are kind of just, just let them in. Well, what, what, what happens? You know, you, you keep them all together, you let them all in. It, that's going to be manipulated as, as it has been in the past for, I mean, geez, for forever, you know? So, you know, what is the solution if not, uh, doing the due diligence to figure out, you know, what children are supposed to be with who and how to deal with each individual situation. You know, what, what, what do you do? Like, like Richie said, it's not like you can just say, okay, well in the interim, we'll just let you in and then uh, just come back for a, a court date and we'll, we'll discuss. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. And I think right now the United States is letting something like 1.2 million people into the country illegally. You know, and uh, those people obviously have to meet certain criteria so that they're not complete wards of the state when they get here. But I mean, on top of that, you know, to let countless, however many illegal people into the country uh, who don't have that financial safety net or who don't have education and training that allow them to get jobs, meaningful jobs here. What, you know, what are you going to do with those people? What? 
how much how much more are you going to increase the burden on the people that do work and live here to support people that are coming here and enjoying the fruits of uh, our labors or the benefits that our country have to offer has to offer uh, without really supplying much other than cheap labor. Like, uh, you know, there's not too many stories that you can point to where somebody came here uh, in sandals and a pair of sweatpants with a gallon of water on their back that went on to be, you know, neurosurgeons or architects or, uh, you know, people that are curing cancer. Um, you know, mostly you're getting people that are farm hands, uh, you know, working on factory floors and factory farms, you know, laying brick, hanging drywall, which are all, hey, I'm not saying anything bad about those professions, but what they're doing is taking jobs away from unskilled laborers who live here. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that too, because another hypocrisy, I guess. And, and again, all the frustration, I mentioned this in our last podcast, a lot of the hypocrisies or the frustrations come from the hypocrisy that, that, that is involved with the, you know, with the, the whole idea of, of all of these things, right? One of the things is it's the same people that are up in arms about, um, the immigrants coming in uh, or illegal immigrants coming in and taking jobs, you know, quote unquote, which I, I have my own thing about that whole thing, but I'll digress for this conversation. Um, these same people are usually the ones that are also saying outsourcing is bad. Globalization is bad. Pro union. Everything's got to be within uh, our workforce. You know, uh, it, it's, it's, interesting when you when you look at that um because we're technically outsourcing in our own country technically right you have people coming in offering the same type of work at a lower wage because they just need to get by and survive um and that's cannibalizing on certain industries uh yet we don't want to send any of that type of work outside of the country because we don't want it to cannibalize on our industry there's there's a there's a hypocrisy there as well. So, I mean, and, and obviously we've seen this over and over and over again, where there's plenty of hypocrisies that, that, you know, exist in this realm, but it's just another layer of it. Hypocrisy. <laughs> hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. So, I mean, I think this whole immigration thing, it really does need to go back to Congress just to put a, on this topic here right like wrap it up um yeah it, it existed before trump trump uh probably could have handled it a little differently but has some legal grounding in what he's doing and and i'm hoping that it will result in some sort of congressional legislation to kind of settle the matter i don't think we're going to get that i think everyone's just trying to leverage everything going on at the border for their own political agendas but what I'd like to move on to is I want I would actually not move on, but just highlight and we could talk about this a little bit, the importance of getting Neil Gorsuch for Republicans in the Supreme Court and holding out from when Justice Scalia um passed away under Obama and what it ha has meant for some really like I don't we can't call them landmark because some of them are just narrowly like defined or ruled. Um but there's been some really high profile cases settled recently. Um, the, one of the most recent was uh, today, as of this recording, um, the Supreme Court decided to uh, send a request on a florist that was very similar to the, the Baker situation with a, a gay wedding. They deferred it back down to the lower courts um, in light of the Baker ruling, and they wanted to reconsider based on that ruling. Essentially, what that is saying is, um, yeah, you guys got to look at that case and you got to change your mind because of our ruling. Um, another uh, case before that, just yesterday, was a travel ban was upheld. Um, that was pretty much on party lines in the Supreme Court. So that they pretty much said, hey, but by the way, we see that the government is protecting national security. And they agreed with that case that the Trump administration made. Um and Justice Sotomayor had like a really hardcore dissent to that. Um, she wasn't happy about it. There's some gerrymandering situations. 
um, essentially the Supreme Court's uh, upholding what states are deciding when it comes to how they draw their voting lines, um, whether you think it's legit or not. I think that's a state's right thing. Um, sports betting. That's, you know, that's going to be a thing now um, that was uh, deemed uh, they struck down a 1992 federal law that prevented most states from allowing uh, sports betting. So we'll start seeing more and more of that. Um, but the big one I want to talk about real quick is just because it has some sort of implications. And I see a lot of people talking about it is the 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 Baker situation. Um, in Colorado, where um, he refused to create a custom wedding cake. And that's important right there, that distinction for uh, a gay couple. And the Supreme Court decided this set in a seven to two decision. And they essentially define they actually came to the decision based on how the lower courts handled the the situation. They actually, they actually ruled in favor of the baker only because they didn't think that the lower courts gave them a fair shake. What they were saying was the freedom of religion wasn't taken into account and it was just completely disregarded and there needs to be more consideration given to that. They weren't given a fair shake in the lower courts. So they, they sent it back. Um, the, just the, the interesting thing that I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people talk about over this past weekend was Sarah Huckabee Sanders um, was in uh, some restaurant in West Virginia or something. And she was refused service and she, she, you know, she left and people were saying, well, if, you know, if bakers can refuse to make cakes for gay people, then why can't restaurants refuse to serve someone in the Trump administration because they disagree with their politics or them as people. Um, and I get that. And I, as, as private, I believe private companies should have the right to make a decision that they want to make. I don't think the government should force people to do something. If they don't want to serve someone, they shouldn't have to. Um, I think the market has solutions for that, um, both in the Baker situation and the restaurant with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Uh, you know, I think I, the, the more the market can handle this, the more happy I am. And there, I do think there's a little bit of a distinction to be made because um when it came to the gay baker and <laughs> the gay baker, uh, the, the big question there was the, the, the baker w- was asked to make a custom wedding cake. He is actually, he actually served those, the, that couple, the gay couple before he, uh, he never refused to sell them any other product in the store. He just didn't want to make a custom wedding, wedding cake for them. So the artistic expression piece of that. Um, and I believe this is a very similar case with the florist. Um, so the, the big difference here, um, is I think when you're just, you have just a, a business with some sort of generic service that is, you know, anyone can just come up and order it as opposed to asking someone to use their artistic skills and expression to render something for you. There, there is a nuance there. And that's the thing that's lost in both of these cases, like to, to ask that baker to render something from his mind in a likingness of what someone has inputted to him to try to get to, um, that's what he was fighting for not doing, right? Not If they wanted just a regular cake, he would have baked it. He would have made it. He just wasn't going to render some sort of, uh, you know, a topper or something like that or some sort of unique expression for that individual cake. And... When it came, comes to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I mean, I guess you could get in, you could split some hairs and say the chef could be like, oh, I don't want to plate that plate the way I'm plating it before her because that's my, you know, I do that, my artistic expression. But chances are they have plates, they're played the same way every time. It's not a unique artistic expression. Um, you know, I, I could understand an argument to the contrary on that. Um, but I think it's just an interesting, like, exercise to say, is this the same? Is Sarah Huckabee Sanders being not served at a restaurant the same as a baker not doing a custom cake for a gay wedding? Well, I mean, I think we can ag- agree or or whatever. You can come up with your own idea or opinion on, you know, whether or not it's fair or whether or not, you know, they should be uh, served dinner or given a cake or whatever it might be. Right. It, it, at the end of the day, and, and, and like most things right now, um, I think most people that are up in arms about any of this stuff 
don't really care about what the Supreme Court or anybody says about any of it. It's really just a matter of, you know, live and die by your opinion type of thing, you know, and, 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 you know, at the end of the day, you know, consumer capitalism, you know, look, the market will adjust. I, I, I could, I can't help it. The whole Sarah Huckabee Sanders thing. I really can't help but feel that that was made as a kind of like a, I don't know, for lack of better terms, like a political stunt. I mean, that, that gets them on the news that gets them more business in a sense. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a, it's a, a business decision, um, that, that was able to, you know, maybe in a shocking way, bring more business to their, to their So facility. apparently the, the, I don't know if it was the owner or the manager on duty. So supposedly he, um, I, I guess someone had recognized her there or they knew she was coming and so the one of their employees had expressed like you know discontent with having that her there and so he took it upon himself to poll the rest of his employees do you want to serve them should they be here and they all said no so the story is that he apparently came out and asked her politely and you know not like confrontationally to leave so apparently um governor huckabee uh i don't know if it was on fox news probably Fox News, um, gave it an additional context to this. Apparently, not only did they ask her to leave, she went home, but she was with family members and the family members still went to eat. She just was apparently just like, I'm, you know, I'm just going to go home. This is, I don't want to be near here. They went across the street to eat at a different restaurant and apparently the owner followed them over and gave them shit. And I don't know if he's just, uh, you know, playing it up but it sounds like to me that it just seems like like civility is gone well and and where yeah where where is the line of not serving somebody and harassment you know based yeah, on a political I, I, view you know like it's just it doesn't and it also what was it the dhs secretary she was eating dinner that was i think this past weekend too and a, you know activists came in and essentially Berated her until she left, um, and the restaurant didn't do anything to stop that. Um, it's just, and then uh, Maxine Waters apparently called the other, called you know the other day called for people to uh, you know demonstrate civil disobedience um, by finding people associated with the Trump administration or Trump supporters and getting out of their cars and creating a crowd and making things miserable for them. Um, this just seems like a whole nother level of like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's one thing to have a political view and, it, and it's, it's, you know, disagree with the president and everything, you know, that that's, that's fine. And that's, that's what this country is about, you know, voicing opinion and, and everything like that. But, you know, again, it goes back to what, it, where is that line? Where, where do you draw the line of, you know, just providing your political opinion or um, acting on your political opinion and actually just harassing based on political opinion. I mean, I'm going to bring this to a different level um, where on social media, I see people who, you know, friend or unfriend or call to, you know, dislike somebody just based strictly on who they voted for. You know what I mean? Like when, when did that become a thing? That was never a thing before. Um, no, it wasn't. You know, You're right. So like, so, you know, people would get in heated political arguments, of course, you know, and, and, and an argument is a reason to, uh, get heated and maybe, uh, kind of make things overflow with certain types of emotions and, and then, all right, you decide to unfriend somebody or whatever it may be. But in this case, yeah, I have one particular friend, uh, on Facebook that, you know, he basically just put out there earlier today, actually, or, or it might've been yesterday. If you voted for Trump, F you, and I don't want to be friends with you, unfriend me. And it was like out of nowhere too. And it was really bizarre. And it's kind of like, well, that's not really what democracy is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, all well, right, it's not have, civility, have, right? That's not well, even, right, that has exactly. nothing to do and with like, democracy. It's, it's have your opinion and you don't need to harass anybody. Everybody's, uh, you know, opinion is based on a lot more than just, you know, straight up, uh, you know, facts, right? It's, it's how you were brought up. It's how you uh, think politically or philosophically, um, spiritually, 
you know, there's a lot of things that play into years and years and years of coming up with what your political affiliation is, I guess. And, you know, nobody should really be harassed in a, in a sense, just based on your political affiliation. Now, if I'm trying to, you know, if I see somebody trying to jam down somebody else's throat, that they should respect Trump and respect this administration and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, that, that I get like, that's, you shouldn't do that either, you know, but at the same time, it should be like you said, it's civility. Uh, you know, you should at least be accommodating to the idea that other people have differing opinions and that that's okay. You know what I mean? Like why, why is that not okay? Well, yeah. And I, uh, I noticed that too a lot. In fact, there's this, uh, guy that I work with. He's a really nice guy. He's gay guy, uh, married, you know, gay guy. And he's, uh, uh, obviously upset about a lot of the stuff that Trump, uh, does and says. And, uh, he had made a comment the other day about, uh, does anybody else feel like they're living in the civil war? Uh, you know, and I, <laughs> and I had, uh, you know, made a comment to him. I was like, well, you know, people are, are treating politics like it's their favorite football team. You know, there's like a very small percentage of people that actually like understand the game, they go out of their way to learn statistics of the players or the minutia, like situational football, you know, like down and distance and stuff. And I said, and, and you know, those people are generally like the cool observers, like they're, they're knowledgeable and they tend to speak about what's going on in like a decent way. Uh, you know, they also uh, really love understanding like what other teams are doing because they like to contemplate things like, you know, strategy. And they may even see things that other teams are doing and entertain the idea of their team, you know, doing those same things. So I was like, you know, those are the people you see leaving the stadiums, congratulating each other, you know, oh, it was a good game. And then there's the majority of people that just go out and they're like, you know, Eagles, Dallas sucks. And, you know... The yeah, like drink. they 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 get they get everything they know from headlines or from like little clips that they look at on their phone, and they 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 think they have a good opinion. But if you ever try to talk to them, it always turns into an argument, and they start saying calling you names or becoming grammar Nazis and type out the word sigh, which I fucking hate more than anything my entire life. But and those people though are usually the loudest and most obnoxious, you know quote-unquote, football fans. And, you know, they're the ones that, like, puke on kids and punch police horses in the face. <laughs> you, you know what's funny about it, though? Like, like there's a defining line there, right? Like an Eagles versus a Cowboys fan. There's a defining line of one's an Eagles fan, one's a Cowboys fan. Uh, in, in politics, there's a defining line that I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. Um, there, there's defining lines. And what I've noticed on, on Facebook, and this is probably the most frustrating thing to me, is the people that walk the line, maybe the moderates, maybe the critical thinkers, or maybe the people that aren't so confrontational about stuff and they're just trying to kind of have a conversation. And I saw one interaction on Facebook uh, with a couple of friends of mine, um, and I just kind of stayed on the sidelines just to watch how it transpired because I, I found it interesting. But um, I know that the person that was talking here is a is a is a Democrat, um, and they're you know they hate Trump just as much as everybody actually. Uh, but there was one particular thing that kind of bothered them about how people were attacking him uh, for one particular situation. I forget what it, what exactly it was. Um, and they basically had like a 150 uh, a comment thread on people basically just bashing them for being a Trump lover and, and, and all this other stuff. And it's so what, what's ended up happening here is and, and what I'm seeing the dynamic turn into is that you don't even have to agree with Trump. Trump, you just have to disagree with any one particular thing that the very far left uh, considers important, and you are now just kind of alienated from anything. And we've seen this before, right? I mean, we we've seen this uh, quite a few times in the mainstream media, um, and and you know some of the intellectual dark web people have kind of brought this up, you know, before. Um, episode 28, by the way, for anybody that's listening, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I, I, I shameless feel plug. Uh, shameless plug, but I, I feel, you know, I feel that, you know, 
all right, if you're gonna if you're gonna defer on on party lines, it's one thing, but now it's actually seeping into if you don't one hundred percent agree with everything that I'm saying, you're obviously the enemy and and nothing else that you say matters from this point forward. And I, I, that's a very frustrating notion. Yeah, I mean, uh, they automatically uh, equate. Thank you. No, it's well said. They, they automatically equate your disagreement with support of something else. So uh, it's really frustrating. I, I've really been trying to get away from uh, talking about stuff like that. And my little football analogy was, was kind of made uh, in an effort to kind of show people like you're acting a little stupid <laughs> and yeah. it went over, it went over the dude's head. Well, it's, it's amazing <laughs> though. I mean, you've, you've, you've said it, you've said it time and time again, it's that sports team mentality, but I feel like it's even becoming, it, it would be equate the sports team thing. Like I'm an Eagles fan and, and I said, uh, Oh wow, that was a pretty good play by, uh, you know, by the Cowboys and you just kind of demeaning me as a Cowboys lover and, and uh, forget about the fact that I'm wearing an Eagles jersey. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's it's like, it and just that seems happens, silly. And that's what's happening now. And thank God we're here. <laughs> yes. It is what's happening now. All right, guys. You know what else is happening right now? <laughs> something's, ha- something's happening behind my You've house. Come to so the end. Bunch of sirens. Yeah, I heard some uh, popo. Anyway, this is episode 29. We tackle the most controversial subject of the century. Children being separated from families. The U.S.-Mexico border. Man, I want to see what's going on with that airplane. Oh, yeah. We'll have to check. There's some breaking news. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll have an emergency podcast if it ends up being something legit. <laughs> but anyway, thank you guys for joining us for episode 29 of the podcast without a name. You can find us on Spreaker, SoundCloud, iTunes, iTunes, um, or iTunes, whatever. iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, know, Pocket Cast, Spreaker, all the everywhere you can find podcasts, you will find us. We're on Facebook, Twitter at No Name Podcaster. Where else are we? We have an Instagram account. I don't really post anything on it. Um, you can find us, us wherever on, uh, you are. Download us on LimeWire on your iPod. LimeWire. Lime you can illegally download this episode on Napster. Just just connect to your dial-up. Even though it's get free. It tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. But Richard, um, it's the end of the podcast, so you know you're going to have the last word here. And I would like to see... Well, this episode was brought to you by Richie's Hot Dog and Chili Hut. Oh, yes. Richie's Hot Dog and Chili Hut. Check it out on Facebook. Yeah, serving the finest Chilean hot dogs for any occasion. This is true. All right, Rich. You get the last word in three, two, one. Irascible. Irascible. Having or showing a tendency to be easily angered.